Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. John and I are back. It's been a couple of weeks. Thanks to Vacation. And John, you had a birthday while we were gone. So congratulations to you and your oh, yeah. 60th. You got five years till retirement. Something like that. Yeah, give or take 17 years. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm older than you. You should have come back quicker than that. I know. You should be wittier than this old snapper. That's what happens to my old age, man. You know? You get to your mid-40s, you lose a you lose a, a couple mile an hour, a couple miles an hour off the fastball. Dude, know? I'm going down that hill now. You're still trying to pedal up it. I am. I'm just trying to get up there. Oh, jeez. That's yeah. what it feels like, dude. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to the gym lately. <laughs> I didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the Celtics then. Uh, you know, the, the we're into the finals. Uh, I love seeing the Suns there. I actually thought we would see the Hawks, but Milwaukee really kind of pulled it together. I, You know, looking at all the injuries and everything that these teams have all suffered through, I think it speaks volumes about what a stress the year after the break and uh, the bubble has taken its toll, honestly, on a lot of these teams. And so it's interesting to see, but Phoenix was a team out of the bubble that I was kind of intrigued by. Um, you know, I think I had them as the surprise pick at the beginning of the season when you and I kind of did some of our conversations. And, uh, you know, I, they're an easy team to get behind, to be honest with you. I, I can't be happier for them. When I was on vacation with my wife, we were in San Francisco and, uh, you know, we were out several evenings and I caught two of the the Suns games while we were out having dinner, which is kind of funny on the West Coast. Like you're out having dinner and you're watching, the, you know, the late game <laughs> mm. and it's only dinner time. Uh, I'll never get used to that. But um, but, you know, we caught we caught some of the games and, uh, you know, over appetizers, and some drinks. And uh, I, I just I loved what that one play. Uh, that DeAndre Ayton, right? He just gets that that final second. I think it was Jay Crowder who inbounded it, and he he slams it home, and and Phoenix walks away. Like it's just you, you. I don't know if it happened to you, but for me, it was just easy to get excited for them. Yeah, no. I and what I like about Phoenix is that that's the team that probably has the least negative impact on the Celtics. Like that's always been my thing. Is like. Figure out the path that is the least harmful to the Celtics in terms of rooting for another team. And Phoenix is that team because worst case scenario, Devin Booker becomes a guy. Uh, but, you know, you've got Chris Paul, uh, you know, he's on his way out. You know, you've got a lot of role players. I mean, you look at all the other alternatives to have Phoenix win is probably the best possible situation for the Boston Celtics um, and not seeing, you know, Milwaukee get over the hump, you know, because once that happens, you know, I think for me, I, you know, you worry about their ability to kind of repeat. And then, you know, they, they've got, you know, they've got that thing, that kind of it factor. Um, we won't, you know, we're recording this before the end of game two. There's still a lot of time left uh, for, for that series to go a different way. Uh, though, you know, Giannis's injury kind of puts, puts a damper on, on the Bucks chances, but it's, I you love the way they play. It's, it's exciting. 
you can see some things that, you know, DeAndre Ayton, you know, there's some things there, some, 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 you know, glimmers that you can see Time Lord being able to do in a fully realized version of the, of the Celtics offense, uh, and defense for that matter, um, in coming years. So that's, that's exciting, you know, and, and it's something different. It's a different look and Phoenix has never won. So that's a cool thing too. I, I'm all, I'm all on the Phoenix bandwagon. Whoops, I was on mute. Great, I said. <laughs> I'm glad you're on my side. No, I think your rationale is on the money. So good luck to them. Um, isn't it funny how that much little less you hate Milwaukee than you did last year, though? <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, and I know you feel that way, John. There's Because of Brooklyn, you know, that, that hatred for Milwaukee got downgraded a little bit, didn't it? Didn't yeah, it? Come on. Sure. For the sure. Philly, the Philly and the Nets thing really like put Milwaukee not squarely in the how come he gets all the calls and I'm losing my mind anger piece. It's so it, funny how that works. It's just it's like a step like like it's a step or like 20 backwards from how much you could possibly dislike. But the only other thing I, I'd also add about that, too, is that, you know, even in the worst possible scenario, um, I always felt like, you know, yeah, they're kind of annoying and, and all that, but I like Giannis is a is a good dude. You know, I always thought, yeah, he's a good dude. He he means well. Uh <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I He means I always, well. Yeah, like I I don't I don't I don't have any ill will towards uh towards Giannis. Uh you know, I I think he's he's all right, you know. Um uh, so I, I never had that much dislike towards the Bucks, but like you said, compared to Brooklyn, compared to Philly, uh, no, it's that's an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about what the Celtics have done then. Uh, enough of me focusing around the league. Uh, let's talk about what the Celtics are doing, and uh, specifically around the coaching staff. So uh, <laughs> we've missed a few things. We we did talk after the Kemba Walker trade. And so we've kind of done our analysis there, but then there's been all the changes. Uh, they hired Udoka, and uh, it looks like David Stoudemire, right? That's finalized. Yep. That's not just rumor. They completed that today. And then, um, but I don't know this other guy that everybody keeps talking about. Is it Will Hardy? If I got it right, yeah. Yeah, you and well, I threw down a bunch of funny names beforehand. Tom Hardy <laughs> from the from, – it's Bane. It's Tom <laughs> Hardy. Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom yes. Hardy. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's no Will Hardy, definitely Will Hardy. Uh, yeah, I could have, yeah. I guess I could have gone with Spawn, not Spawn. Um, I could, I could have gone down that route, but I didn't. I did. Will Hardy, yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it's interesting that that Udoka Ime Udoka is really trying to craft his own his own way with this coaching staff because Brad really didn't go that route. He really brought he. He kept most of um, Doc's coaches around, you know, you had Laranega, you know, Jamie, uh, you know, Young, you had, you know, Brandon Bailey was in the, in the, the staff then Scott Morrison was, was, I think, um, kicking around. I mean, most of those guys were around and he really only added Micah Shrewsbury and um, Ron Adams. Well, we've already, and well, let's add one other thing to that, you know, uh, Jay Laranega was in consideration for head coaching positions. Um, I, he doesn't seem like he's quite got the fight 
he seems like a really nice guy to me. <laughs> and and sometimes you can't be that nice guy. I don't wonder I wonder if that came into play, but he's been reportedly heavily involved in the development of many young players on this team. So, I guess that's the one that surprises me. I, I, I sorry to interrupt you, but that's what I was kind of trying to get from you is which one of those non-retained like Micah is an interesting one. Uh I'm trying to remember uh is it Scott he coached yeah. the Red Claws. Yeah, Scott uh, Morrison. Yeah, yeah, Scott, right. So, you know, that one, like, sort of surprises me, but not really. It's Jay Laranega that surprises me the most. Yeah. Uh, well, and he I, worked He worked with Tatum and, and with Smart, too, which presumably would be two guys that will will be here, uh, you know, <laughs> this coming year. Certainly, certainly Tatum. Um, Smart, maybe that's not as clear, but um, – you know, it, it's you're right. It seems unlikely, or uh, I don't know. It seems odd that, that he wouldn't. But you know, pr- potentially, the, you know, they were looking at that and saying, you know, we need to have a different look. I I don't know why you would necessarily feel that way. You know, I don't I don't know that he was a negative or would have stood in the way. But you know, maybe that's part of what Yudoka is trying to do here. He's trying to add. Um, a different look for, for guys like Tatum and Brown, um, you know, because as he said in the introductory press conference, he wants them to you know, kind of take it, to, to go out there and, and, and to really, um, you know, change, change their view, uh, you know, change their mindset, go out there and, and take it, you know, become the, the stars that they, that they can be. Don't wait for it. Uh, and I'm not saying that in any way the Laranega was <laughs> somebody who who's who is preventing that, but it just seems like, man, is there is there why you know, that just seemed like an odd an odd guy to not bring back, but I don't know. It, you know, we're gonna see more as as this bench continues to get filled out. It looks like Joe Mazzula, um, uh, who was the assistant who joined I think two years ago, um, he's gonna stick around. Uh, but of Hardy, Damon Stoudemire, Ime Udoka, and, uh, you know, Missoula. So that's, you know, that's four. Probably, I would imagine, maybe one or two more, I suspect. Usually these staffs have five or six guys on them. And then you've got, you know, people in reserve. You know, probably, I'm guessing we're not going to see Evan Turner come back, just given the look of how the rest of that bench looks. But I know he was close with Tatum, too. So who knows? You know, it, it's an interesting thing. Like, what – what does the head coach want to do if he's changing up the whole the whole makeup and usually they're they're making decisions about what's going to happen and how they're going to build around what the star players want i think there was support for Udoka, but to maybe get rid of guys who worked well with you know Tatum and Brown in the, in, in the recent past that seems curious to me yeah yeah it does to me too um but You've heard everything that they've been saying. Seems like the players on the team have also, especially with the shakeup and leadership, voiced their desire to have former players on the coaching staff. So let's go to Evan Turner. You know, you got to think he's sticking around, right? I don't know. I mean, you would think you would have heard something by now, and and the fact that they've they've uh, you know kind of gone out and and not brought back and chosen chosen to to move away from a Laranaga 
makes me think, well, maybe not. You know, maybe Udoka really wants to carve this entire entire coaching staff aside from Joe Missoula um, out of his own you know contacts. And I, I can't really blame him. The guy's been working for several years as a as a top candidate and and failing to get the the big gig. I'm sure he's he's has plenty of contacts and 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 knows a number of guys that he would have would love to work with and has you know kind of had on his mind all that time. But it just seems you know I, I Evan Turner was Brad Stevens guy. He I don't think necessarily he's even Udoka's guy, you know, and, and I think Ime is making these calls wholly, uh, and I think that's in a way Which that is, might be a good thing. Don't you think that's a little interesting? I think it is a good thing because Brad's going to want him to have accountability so he can hold him accountable, which is usually a common failure of somebody who moves up a level that they end up still wanting to call the shots of the position they previously had. Yes. So a question is, is Brad doing that just because he knows that that's things that people do? Or is he doing it because, you know, he knows it's the right thing? You know what I mean? Or, you know, or does he just want to separate himself from the coaching altogether? Like, I'm I'm kind of sitting here. I'm just really wondering what's going on in Brad's mind, you know, and his, I, I think he's happy about making the move. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's, you know, uh, happy to be in that position. And I also think – that Horford and Kemba stuff was talked about long before Danny left. I realize Brad executed it, but don't think for a second that that just came up on a whim, <laughs> right? Those guys, those two talked about that before Danny stepped down. Um, they absolutely had to have. So I guess, um, you know, I, I, I'm just curious what's going on in his head and yeah, he made that move, but do you think there's still a desire that's kind of innate that he wants to control that coaching staff, or do you think he's just washed his hands clean? Well, it it brings to mind the question of what does Brad want? You know, what does he really want? You know, <laughs> so I don't know that he wants to wash his hands clean of this scenario. I don't think that's no. That, I just mean of the coaching. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think I think he's able to do that. He seems like a pretty clinical, you know, robotic, <laughs> non-emotional person who can separate Joe job functions and the like. I, I don't. He's he, he strikes me as someone who can very easily, you know, kind of step back and then, you know, okay, now I'm doing this and now I'm, you know, I, I think he can break that. I don't think he has those emotional ties to what was, but I. What I wonder is, what does he want to do? You know, the, the circumstances of him taking this job are still a bit of mystery, right? I mean, he seemed his public persona was of the coach's coach, you know, the guy who just loved coaching and was really all into it. And I don't think anyone's been honest about the last few years. And of course, you know, there's been the whispers recently of saying, well, he, he was really burned out by coaching and the last two years took a lot out of him and so forth and so on. And Danny was, you know, he was, you know, after his health scare, but then there's whispers about Utah. It just feels like, yeah, is it Utah real thing. or is it just, yeah. is it just, is it just talk? And we're actually getting the straight scoop. I feel like there's, there's more to this. I think he didn't, 
my okay this is this is as i sit right here july 8th you know recording this my belief is that danny was done his health was just what it was he didn't he wasn't getting what he wanted to out of this you know era um and and consequent and, and on parallel tracks brad was burned out from coaching and but he just signed a massive contract extension the celtics said well, we're gonna have to keep paying him. We're not really, we don't really want to fire him because he's a good coach, but he's maybe a little burned out. So let's just move him over a chair and bring in a different coach and a different voice and and answer these current concerns of diversity that Jalen Brown and others have have raised league wide, but I'm sure probably internally as well, and and be done with it. Um, that's what I think happened. But you know, there's <laughs> that that doesn't really say. Brad Stevens, what do you really want in your heart to be doing? You know, it's just saying right now I'm tired. So what happens in two years? Does he leave to be coach, you know, somewhere else? Does he, you know, I, I don't really know. It just, it doesn't, he doesn't strike me as somebody who wanted to run the basketball operations. It, he strikes me as someone who was happy being the coach, but I'm not sure he wants to be the coach after the last two years or at least needed, or maybe perhaps needed a break from being the coach. You think Kyrie killed him? I think he had. I I think I think that was a big part of it. I think that was part of it. I think COVID year bubble. Uh, I think this season being the way it was. I think that all. I mean, look at the number of guys who got who got let go this year. There's a lot of playoff team coaches who got let go. There's a lot of teams that were. You could make very reasonable and rational, uh, you know, uh, arguments as to why they should return and didn't. Uh, and I don't, I don't know that that's. And most of those were the teams doing the firing, not the not the the coaches leaving on their own, unlike this situation. But it just strikes me that there's a lot more. There's a lot more to this than I think we know. And I'm not saying that that Danny, you know, there's. He doesn't want to be in this position, but it just always has struck me as a bit odd. And I don't think he's been very forthcoming as to why he wants to do this job. And I don't think if the, if what I believe happened happened, I don't think he'll ever say so. No, absolutely not. (laughs) No, because, and, 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 you know, the other thing is, what if he, what if he likes it? Right. And he could be great at it. I mean, mm-hmm. an analytical mind like his, someone who understands basketball and scouting players and and all that. I mean, that's you know, I, you can see how someone could, he could be good at this. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's. I mean, it's not it's not like it's it's impossible that that he couldn't be really good at this at this job. Um, the the problem is, and, and this was mentioned by you know Chris Mannix on with. Uh, you know, on the podcast there with, with Bill Simmons, he probably, um, he, you know, he probably could have been, um, <laughs> he, he probably could have been replaced by Scott, by, by Sam Presti. And, it, you know, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Would you not, you know, if you had a choice, yeah, I'd probably rather have Sam Presti, but I don't think the Celtics were going to pay Sam Presti and pay Brad Stevens, um, particularly if Brad Stevens wasn't going to coach. 
And then that doesn't do anything to answer any concerns with, um, you know, the, the diversity issues that are, you know, have come to the fore, obviously, in the NBA over the last, you know, 12 to 24 months. Presti's been doing this for like 14 years and he's still younger than me. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. He's 43 years old. Yeah, he's my age, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? It is incredible. Yeah. Good for him. But yeah, Absolutely. that's a really good point. That's a really good point, man. I see now. I just kind of looked it up. I didn't realize Manix had thrown that out there. He's got it all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I, and and I don't I don't know that you know, he's like, Oh, well, I think Presty would have taken it. And maybe he would have, but I felt like that Celtics I think the issue is the Celtics felt like they were handcuffed by giving Brad Brad's salary a yep. lot of money for a long time. I mean, without that extension, we might have had a different conversation this year. Without yeah. that extension, does he go to Indiana? Well, no. wait a second, though. When did no. he sign the extension? Right before this season in October. Yeah. I don't think mm, – I think this has been in the works longer than they're admitting. It, it it could very well be it, but tell me something. In no in October, did you would you have had any issue with giving him an extension as a coach? No, no, right. because they did great in the bubble. Considering right. I mean, it was disappointing with Miami, but overall, they they basically overperformed every single year except. Well, even when Kyrie was here and and wasn't here, you know, other than the year he actually played in the postseason, (laughs) you know, for the most part, they've overperformed. And so I think it would be be hard to say that he, you know, hasn't earned the opportunity for an extension and to keep moving forward. And, you know, he's been bringing these guys up. I think I think they waffled too long. And I think they realize it now to an extent, and they're not sure how to put veterans on the team that are that are the right fit. I think they kind of, I think they, I think they got a little hogtied in the limbo, and I think it messed them up a little bit. But having said all that, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm like parodying myself with this ad read now. <laughs> Self parody. Did you like the long pause? Did you love did. the long pause? I did. Wait I, for I was... it. Hit you with the ad. It was a pregnant pause. I was so ready for the remainder of said pause. I was Dude, like, I have, I have fun with those. I really tell me do. more. Tell me more. Uh, so let's let's go back to to something you just said too. You know about um, 
or what we were just talking about with veterans and trying to round that out and everything else. Yeah. What kind of recruiting is going on with Team USA, do you think? And, you know, that Beal thing just won't go away, right? Because it's right. And, and everybody wants to make it about Beal versus Brown. But what it really is, is Beal made that statement the other day. And that's when I really got clarity, right? Two guys from the same high school on Team USA, you know, got to be, what do you say? Got to be the first time that ever happened. Well, yeah. you know, two guys from the same high school on the same team winning an NBA championship, even crazier. Crazier. And and so I guess it all really comes down to not Brown versus Beal, but if Tatum was asked, we have to trade Brown to get Beal in here. Do you want us to do it or not? What's his answer? That's really what it boils down to. Right. Right. And I, and I, and I think the obvious from the Celtics perspective before answering that is, look, the Celtics need to do this deal without giving up Jalen Brown. Like, like they really need that. Like the difference between a Brown Beal Tatum situation and a Tatum and Brown or Tatum and Beal situation is really like, (laughs) <laughs> the ceiling on those two things is very different, I think. So, you know, that's that's the, obviously the primary, you know. But don't desire. you think that there's an issue with and, not enough balls going around for those three again, or how do you see how do you see that well, working out? You know, the, in a way, I have less issue with Bradley Beal being a guy who has to. I I, I think he's more likely to be someone who distributes and um, blends in because of his age, because of what he's been through in Washington. Um, he's explosive score. I mean, no doubt he's explosive score. But, I mean, let, look at those three guys, right? Um, if Jalen Brown could focus more on his defense and less on his offense, that probably – I think that would be a good thing in the aggregate for the team, the Boston Celtics team. If Bradley Beal focused less on his defense and more on his offense, but he probably needs to be a better defender than he has been, that would be good. And Tatum is just, you know, otherworldly. Um, that's that's like kind of the, the ideal scenario, you know. I, I don't know that, that Brown – I'm just – his ability to create is still kind of in its infancy, right? It still needs another level or two to where he's like, you know, really, really special or, or, you know, that kind of superstar level. And that's where I think Beal gets him at this point, you know, is that his ability to create for others at this point, Beal can do that better than what probably Brown can. Uh, but there's an age difference there. And, you know, we, we have the, if at the end of a year from now, we may have a different feeling on that with the, with the way that Jalen Brown is growing and, and, and committing to growth in particular areas year after year. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just look at if I'm, if I'm, if I have to make a choice, you know, I don't have to give up anything else. I think I would probably rather see what Jalen Brown can do. But if you're Jason Tatum, 
I think this is a test case for that of like, are we, are we boys, you know, off the court as well as we are on the court and we want to try to keep this thing going, keep the party going. Cause if so, you know, Jalen and he get along, but I'm not sure that they're, they're never going to be boyhood friends. You know, there's nobody else who can, who can get to that level. Like, 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 uh, Bradley Beal can. And if that's the case, and he wants to strong arm the situation, Celtics probably aren't going to have much of a choice because they got to do whatever they can to keep Jason Tatum happy. And yeah, that's not going to make you happy. <laughs> I know that. Uh, but I think if I thought it was a happen. good idea, that's fine. It's just so frustrating to yeah. see them constantly looking elsewhere instead of within. That's the part that. Um, yeah, but are they or are we, dude? You know what I mean? Well, but I don't know that it's them. Is it the player? Maybe the players. But is it the team or is it like, is it society? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, is I that what we're talking think, about? No, I think it's a little bit of both because, yeah. you know, they just keep – instead of just doing this rebuild, they keep bringing in players, right? Kemba – Kyrie, et cetera, et cetera. We've been chasing. Now, when you didn't have anything on the team, I get it, right? <laughs> when they went after Al Horford and, and Kevin Durant with the cap space, that made a ton of sense to me. Mm-hmm. But but what I'm getting at is once they got some lottery picks and they actually hit on them, and you look at somebody like Terry, who they totally hit on again, which is the reason that those draft picks that are on the team right now you know, we still believe that somebody like Romeo Langford is is going to provide that Terry Rozier level value, right? Yeah. Who who yeah. said he could be Evan Turner? Or maybe it was Evan Turner who said he could be Evan Turner. I can't remember, but um, I read that the other day, and uh, um, so I guess I, I I guess that's more what I'm saying is once you've drafted it, like I look back, and I don't want to get hung up on this, but had, you know they couldn't get rid of Kyrie. They already had Kyrie or whatever, but then they traded Kyrie. But if if they had navigated the Terry Rozier waters, yeah. let me just ask you: How do you feel about this team today? Not having the Kemba Walker experience, letting Kyrie go, and finding a way to keep Terry. I realize it couldn't happen. That's not what I'm saying. I realize it couldn't happen. You know, water under the bridge. By the time you're they- saying. Like hindsight, I'm, I'm just saying. With the value of hindsight, if with the value of hindsight, imagine if we finally walked away from the Kyrie situation. Sure, we lost Al Horford, but we had Smart, Rozier, Brown, Tatum, and then maybe you're still going to suffer through the Tristan Thompson, Rob Williams thing or whatever. Um, but but I'm just saying that. You look at that team. How do you feel about how this year went? How do you do you feel like they would have performed as well in the bubble? Well, are are we talking about the bubble or are we talking about Both. this year? No, I'm saying since Kyrie would have gone in the absence yeah. of Kemba Walker, and I realize again you got the hindsight thing with the Kemba Walker injury, but I just mean Imagine if this team was building around the assets that they had, the young assets. 
Yeah. And they were letting veterans move on so that they had a young team that was growing together and they had Smart and Rozier. Because Rozier doesn't get that same contract, I don't think, from the Celtics, but he would stay. Uh, and I think it would have been tempered a little bit. There was the whole salary matching component where he got a really big paycheck. I think it would have been tempered a little bit in terms of salary cap management. I think he still would have gotten a good contract, but, but, but I don't know it would have been quite the same. But I'm just saying that lineup. Yeah. Wouldn't I mean just based on what they had done two postseasons before that? Wouldn't you have felt really good about it if Terry was confident in his starting role? Um. Yeah. So I mean. To answer your first question, yeah, I, I would absolutely. I, they would have been. They'd be in a much better position if they had Terry Rozier here and, instead of resigning Kevin Walker. You know, I, I don't know how much better. How, you know, how much they'd, they'd really save. I mean, I don't think he would, would have. I don't think you would. It would have been the difference between nineteen, twenty million, and like a Marcus Smart deal. You know, but but it, if he did, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood, fifteen, sixty million dollars a year. Um, he wouldn't have had the opportunity he had here, I don't think. And I'm not sure they would have done as well last year as they did uh, because, you know, I mean, let, let's remember, Terry had like the worst year last year. You know, it was very reminiscent of that uh, Tony Allen, Tony Allen's departure year, you know, where he really wasn't that good. But you're on your first, second team. You've you got to learn a whole new dynamic, meet yeah. the teammates. Like, I don't know if that happens if he stays in the same scenario with a coach who already knows him, right? Who has right. put him in successful positions before. Yep. Uh, and 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 I gotta I gotta wonder where Danny and Brad stood on that because I feel like it's leaked out. Brad's irritation with both of those lead guards, Kyrie and Kemba. I realize Kemba's the one where they've kind of tried to to really push that out in the media that there was a, a, a disagreement between those two because everybody felt like Brad was holding Kemba to a different standard and accountable or whatever. But but I I don't think for a second that Brad was happy with Kyrie either. And so, but I, I think he probably, I think Terry was probably a favorite of his. I don't think that he had a problem with Terry and, and I'm still surprised that Danny let Terry go because I thought they were buddies. And, and, and so I realize it's business, but there's something about that whole circumstance when they were, when they knew Kyrie was gone anyway, that almost reeks a little bit of desperation. Like, oh crap, I can't keep Terry cause it's too late now. And I've got to get something for him. I don't want to lose him for nothing because he did value him. And I feel like if they were just like it was known to Terry that he was eventually going to take over that position, that he was going to have that. And Kyrie's contract comes up and he leaves and they're like, Terry, we just want to leave the door open. Like they had managed it that way. I think we all I think I don't know. I still remember the game winning shot that Terry hit you know, against Portland several years ago in the regular season. It was an amazing game. And he just had ice in his veins. And he really, I think he really fit in well here. And so I am lamenting the loss of Terry specifically, but I'm also saying, like, why do we just keep trying to, when they finally get to enough experience level where they're finally emerging, why do we want to flip them for a veteran who's almost 30? 
You know, and the we can be the royal we. That can be the front office. That can be the fan base. That can be the players on the team. It can be anybody. But why do we want to do that? And why do we want to do it again with Brown? I I don't think those are the same thing, though. I I don't think I think that's a because it's Beal or because it's Brown. Because Brown is an all star, and Terry. I mean, I I think those are two different, two very different scenarios. Just because Jalen Jalen is somebody who is looked at as a cornerstone piece in, in the Celtics, and that's why there's there's hesitation to make that move. Terry was somebody who was not showing himself to be a rotation piece, who effectively was shooting his own way out of town. You know, as that season ended and immediately after that season ended. And no doubt part of that is a big part of it is how Kyrie held himself and how the, the team didn't hold Kyrie accountable in that process. So I think those are, I think those are different scenarios. But in terms of the idea of, of not supporting younger players, I mean, I think that's clear that they've, they made a mistake at that moment to not pivot. You know, and right, which that is why, have... which is why an issue like a scenario like you said with Terry not even comparing to Brown, why is this even on the table for conversation with Brown? That's my point. Well, because Jason Tatum is the best player on the team, and he is a potential MVP candidate, and you do whatever you can to make potential MVP MVP candidates happy. That I mean, that's and. At the moment, Bradley Beal is a better player than J- than Jalen Brown is. At the moment, is he going to be the best, play- better player next year? Maybe not. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is like this is. I think that there is a really strong, wrong, really strong case that with the way that Jalen develops, that even Tatum would be like, no, I'd rather ride with Brown, but. At some point, Brown's value is going to max out, you know, and so you, you know, so you look at that and how, is there any other way to get Bradley Beal here other than to trade Jalen Brown? And the answer is you have to invest in your youth so that way they have value and so that you can make a deal with a billion draft picks and some young players and you can get Bradley Beal to play with Tatum and Brown. Yeah, that's the answer, right? That's that's the that's the idea that doesn't hurt anybody. But yeah, it's not. I as just exciting. don't. You, but you, <laughs> you have the it's not as exciting for us. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you talk about talk about moving young players. I mean, look, you you got in in Neesmith and in Pritchard and in in Romeo Langford. Um, you got three guys who have, you know. Um, some potential. I, mean, I, I don't know really what Grant is at this point, um, but you know you've got some guys with some potential there. I'm going to put Rob on a different list because I think he's he's on that potentially extension eligible piece where he might be the perfect big man of the future to play with Tatum and Brown, and so or or Tatum and Beal or Tatum Brown and Beal or whatever the hell it is. Uh, you know he. <laughs> He he's kind of the perfect fit there, so it's like, do you really want to screw that up by making sure you get the third piece to give him up? Ugh, that's hard. That's harder, harder. I mean, you don't want to spend a lot of money on the center position, but his passing and, and what we're seeing from Aiton, 
that might be, you know, you may need to place more value on that than you have in the past as the Celtics. I, I just look at it and say, like, that's – if you can get something out of those guys this year, it's a different conversation with, with, with Beal. You know, that's that's where all eyes need to be. And that's why we were calling last year and the year before to play the kids, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids. As bad as it can be at times – they got to work through these struggles, and Neesmith works through those struggles and played well. Romeo, you know, obviously he had <laughs> worst luck of anybody. You're right, though. We're the Young Guys podcast. That's what we do here. That's what we do. But how many times have we been proven right about that? You played yep. the Young Guys in 2007. Guess what that turned into? Kevin Garnett, right, and Ray Allen. You play the young kids in, you know, uh, pick the year. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it, it turns into, you play the kids in 2017 and it turns into the, the hospital Celtics, you know, and, and those guys were able to make it something out of nothing when, when, you know, Kyrie Irving goes down and, uh, Gordon Hayward, you know, so it's like, it's, it's, you have to accept the fact that Danny Ames was good at drafting players is the problem. And a lot of people don't want to accept that fact, but it's real. And a lot of the difficulty they've had in getting something out of those draft picks is that they've had, they've been blocked by people. They've had veterans in front of them. They've had whatever. Well, all those veterans are gone. They were gone this year and they still didn't play more as enough as, as, as much as they should have. Neesmith should have played more than he did. You know, Grant, they had to figure out Grant and, Part of the problem was is because he had to play out of position so much of the year, but you got to figure out what Grant Williams is, and and I I don't know if they have even time to get into early part of this year to figure that out, but I hope he's going to summer league. I hope I hope their summer league team is filled with a lot of guys because they have a lot of guys that need to figure out their games, um, and and Grant is probably the biggest question mark I have. A lot of people want to write him off, but. If he hits, if he can figure it out and not foul every goddamn time he's he's guarding somebody, um, then we got something there. You know, I think I think there's something there with his his body type. It's odd, it's unique, but I think there's we've seen him do it in in stretches. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. you and I said we were going to do a 25 minute show. <laughs> Five minutes, and that went. And out there's the, the soapbox, baby. The yep. soapbox. You know, <laughs> I guess. You know, what do you? Let's just wrap on this without adding another ten minutes, just because I gotta go to bed, man. Um, gotcha. But I wanna, I wanna, um, like, as far as the rest of the summer goes, right? The draft is almost exactly. It is exactly three weeks away, and. uh you know, so that's coming up, but there's really nothing to get excited about other than the 45th pick, right? So, mm, uh, I'm not going to get a ton of attention on draft, uh, you know, draft coverage here, but right. we're, we're really only what a couple months away from the beginning of preseason. Uh, they're going to round out the coaching staff. What else are, are, do you think there's another trade coming or are you mostly just focused on? you know, the mid-level exception and what they're going to do with Fournier. I mean, if they're making a trade, it's, it's really, 
you got to think it's a smart trade, right? I mean, why not a sign and trade with Fournier? Nobody's talking about that. Well, you're hard capped, and I don't think they want to get hard capped again, unless you know, unless they're unless they're finding somebody who fills, you know, who fills multiple needs. And I think they have too many needs at this point to allow themselves to be hard capped. That's the reason why I don't think they're going to sign and trade Fournier at this point. Oh, you think they would sign him? I think they would sign him. Yeah, I think I think now that without Kemba in the fold, I think it's uh, it's it's near a priority. You know, I think I they think need, so. Yeah, they need if they don't, they need the real scorer off the bench who can also fit into yes. the starting lineup as a as a distributor. All right, and, and we've talked and we've talked about this quite a bit on the show. To me, like finding that power forward who can fill that void is. And we were talking about that in terms of the draft. Mm-hmm. You know that that our our aborted attempt to try to talk about the draft that really went nowhere. I must have known uh, it was coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. Sorry, Byron. Um, <laughs> but yeah, though no, they that's what they need. They need the big four who can score. You know, they need that big four who can who can give them 15 to 17 points a game and let Brown play the two, let let Tatum play the three and give themselves switchable flexibility, defense plus. Um, and I, I don't even know if they need 15 to 17 as much as they need somebody who can defend. You right. know, they need Mook Morris. You know, that's the type of guy they need right now. But I don't even know if Mook has the is willing to be that kind of third, fourth, you know, kind of fourth, fifth option. You know, yeah, yeah. it's it's all it really is about buy in from Smart as the point guard. It's about finding guys to play roles around Tatum and Brown. You know, and that's I like the idea of scoring off the bench, but more than scoring off the it, it goes back to like we we're talking about the trade deadline. I would have rather seen the Aaron Gordon trade than the Evan Fournier trade. That's closer, having seen Fournier up close and seeing Gordon fall apart in the playoffs without you know Jamal Murray as a as a as a scoring guard kind of leading the way. But when Murray and Jokic were healthy and playing with Gordon, they, that team looked really strong. Yeah, and I think if if you know with the right scoring load and and pulling that scoring needs off of Gordon, I think he becomes a better player. And I think that's the position he would have been in Boston. But c'est la vie, that's where we are, you know. Yeah. But they, they need that big guy. They need that four, that big four who can rebound, do some dirty work, uh, move the ball, score a little bit, make guys pay when they overcommit to Tatum and Brown. That's really, I think, more what they need than anything. And they can get away with with Smart as a point guard, as long as he can, you know, really focus on being facilitator, uh, I think that's 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 a winning formula. And then let the the young guards, the the young wings develop, the Pritchards develop. Um, so I'm gonna throw this out there. I don't think I don't think they can do this, right? Yeah. But if they don't bring back Fournier, yeah. what are the odds that they start Peyton Pritchard so that Smart's still that six man kind of role? Well, with 
with actually with no Fournier, then then Smart and Peyton could even be out there at the same time on the starting yeah. lineup. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, I should have seen that one coming. Well, I I think also we don't really know what. Yudoka, how he feels about Smart as point guard, we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of questions about that, you mm-hmm. know, about what is he, how does he view Smart as as a player? I mean, I think he's been very complimentary of Smart in in his conversations thus far. He didn't call him a pillar, but he he views him as as a key piece, it seems, at least in his comments thus far, which you know I think is is correct and wise, but. Again, if there's a deal to be made, I think it's they're moving smart because they wanted they want to have something else as that kind of third, fourth best player on the team role, and not somebody who's plays like Marcus. Um, there's a lot of slander out that Marcus Smart slander, and I I do think he was hurt last year, and that limited his ability to be the same type of guy we've seen in the past, but. Um, there's a lot of slander out there. I'm not sure his value right now is as high as, as I think it should be, but you know me, I'm, I'm a Marcus guy. So, uh, Marcus <laughs> I'm not Smart the most slander. Yeah. yeah. No, I get you. So I love him. I, I love know. him too. Love me. You trust him. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow John at CSL underscore Duke. Um, Justin at CSL underscore Justin. <laughs> that's me. I'm Justin. You're Justin. Uh, that's me. underscore Justin. Uh, I'm a little rusty with a couple of weeks off. Anyway, we'd certainly appreciate a rating and review uh, because your feedback is very important to the show. Heartfelt thank you to everybody for listening once again, and uh, on behalf of the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. Mm-hmm.